This episode of the Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Sales Leadership United is the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Sales leadership frameworks, mindset tools, skill set tools, performance coaching, sales leadership training tools, video insights with some of the world's most successful sales leaders, tools used by sales leaders to create massive impact in the current environment. So don't waste your time trying to reinvent sales leadership. Head to Sales Leadership United on Patreon and check out what the world's most complete collection of sales leadership assets can do for you. Every topic you'll ever need and the tools to help you accelerate your sales leadership career all in one place. Check out Sales Leadership United today. Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. Tap into the power of coaching with people who have been there, done that. If you've ever wondered how other people with jobs similar to yours are addressing challenges you're facing now, reach out to the Jepson Performance Group and learn why sales leaders all around the world choose us as their performance partner. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. The show is growing faster every single week, and I have each of you to thank for it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for all the DMs. Please keep it all coming, but mostly just thanks for your ongoing support of the show. I love seeing the growth of the show. I love hearing from so many of you on how the show has been helpful in your career, and it's going to take another level up again today. Today's going to be a fun one. I've been looking forward to recording this show for a while now. I, I'm, I'm super excited to welcome Meredith Hudson to our show today. Meredith has been in the game for a while and done some great work with iconic companies as a leader with companies like Google, AdRoll, Snapchat, and Amazon. And after 20 years of head-turning award-winning impact, Meredith has started her own firm as a career coach and advisor. Now, you're going to find out really quick why I say this. And if you're not following already, I hope you will be by the time you get done listening to this show. Meredith is a great follow. I followed her for a while. I love her point of view on leadership and the importance of growth over grind. Our topic today is a really, really important one. It's part of moving past tactical leadership and into the world of strategic leadership. And we're going to talk about a superpower that you absolutely positively can and should develop. Now, if you can't tell, I'm really excited to get started. I can't wait for you to experience what Meredith has to offer. Meredith, welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much, Rob. I'm psyched to be here. I'm loving the energy level right now. It's just bringing me right up. So psyched. It's going to be a fun conversation because what we're going to start with, I never know where it'll end, right? I mean, you've listened to the show a couple of times. I, I never know where it will end, but I know where we're going to start. And where we're going to start is going to be cool. But before we do it, Meredith, why don't you introduce yourself to 50,000 sales leaders, just about you, your firm, and what led you to getting started with what you're doing right now? Yeah, sounds good. So 
I am your classic type A perfectionist overachiever, firstborn. Like I, I fit all those boxes and check all those boxes really well when I was growing up. Um, I played division one field hockey in college. And if there was something nice. that you can compete in, I am your girl for that. Let's <laughs> um, go. Yeah. I like, well, as you, as this interview progresses, I use a lot of sports analogies too. And what I do is just how I was brought up, how I was raised. Um, most of my memories from childhood, my greatest memories were on a field somewhere with a team. So being um, on a sales team and part of a sales team was such a natural progression for me. Um, it was such a natural fit for what I'd want to do in my career because I was so used to performing on the sports fields for, for so long. So I did that for the past 20 years. Um, I was on sales teams at companies like you mentioned, um, Google, AdRoll, Snapchat. I was fortunate enough to work for some amazing managers who helped mentor me and really mold me into the type of leader that I am today. Um, most recently, I was at Amazon, but I did, as you mentioned, I just exited the corporate world last month, um, and I'm so excited to be building my own coaching business, and my focus is really on helping develop the next generation of sales leaders. Let's um, go. It's something that... <laughs> it's something that I wish I had when I was first coming out of college. Um, I had just completed, you know, four years at a, a great school. And then I got to my first job and I realized I had no idea what to do once I got there. It's like, we learn all these things in school. And then all of a sudden you get to the real world and there's so much more you have to learn. Um, I remember like, I didn't know what a one-on-one -on -one was. I had no idea how to prepare for a performance review. Like, I'm pretty sure I almost cried in my first performance review. And I was very used to having my performance, uh, you know, have, getting feedback on my performance for my years of being an athlete. So um, I think for me too, most importantly, I didn't know how to add value when I was on the lowest rung of that corporate ladder, so to speak. So that was something that I really struggled with. How do I start adding value and leveling up my career when I'm just starting out? So my business today really focuses on those young professionals who are going to be our next generation of leaders. I love your mission. I relate to it. I love it. You're right. The company spends so much time and resources and money saying, here's what we'll do for the salespeople, sales process, sales training, sales tools, et cetera. But when the leaders get that spot, it's here's your team, here's your territory, here's your quota, here's your warning, don't miss. And that's like about what they get. And then we got to enter, we, you have to invent everything on your own. So I, I love that you're doing that. There's a lot of people that will benefit from it and we'll make for sure make it easy for people to get a hold of you at, at the end of this conversation. So thank you. I love it. I've followed you for a while, Meredith, as you know, and I'm a fan of what you do, but I, I think that we can set the stage for this conversation on what prompted me to say I'm overdue having you on the show. Like I was like, man, why have she not been on my show? You made a LinkedIn post and you'll probably remember it and tell, you know, fill in the blanks where I get it wrong. But um, what you said was that the ability to level up an entire team, not, a, not an individual contributor, but the ability for a leader to level up an entire team is a superpower. I'm going to say it again, an entire team, not one person. And, and it stopped me. I was like, yes, I agree with her. What she's saying, I want more of. And so I reached out to you. I'd love to start first with, I don't know if you even remember that post, 
But what I led do. you yeah. do? Okay, cool. Let's start with that. What made you say that? What led you to saying that? Because man, it stopped me in my tracks. I'm like, she's right. Like, what led you to saying that? Oh, well, I'm glad it resonated with you so much. But you know, when I let's just think about the metrics that we place on salespeople today. Okay. They're so individual. How many people did you call this week? How many deals did you close? How much money did you bring in? And while all of these things are super important, like these are the things that are, you know, your company is paying you a salary to do a role. These are some of the things you need to do, of course, and you want to be in that top 1%. You want to be those top performers. But what I've found in my experience is that rarely these are the most important things when you want to either level up your whole career or level up a whole team. There are intangibles that are also as important as, you know, hitting those individual metrics. And I want to share a story. This is where it really became clear for me um, about why these things are so important. And okay. this is, this happened the first time I got in a talent calibration session as a new manager. I was okay. a Snapchat at the time. And I, you know, followed that progression of Let's take our, our best sales talent and you'll probably be a great manager. Like you're a lead, you're a natural leader. Go ahead. Here you go. You know, so all of a sudden I'm at the table for the first time. I've never been in a talent calibration session before. No manager that I'd ever had had ever explained to me what happens in these talent calibration sessions. And you know, Snapchat was obviously a great company to work for that had these type of frameworks in place so that we were, yeah. you know promoting the, the right talent and looking for the right type of behaviors. Um, but something that a lot of people don't know, and I certainly didn't know when I sat around that table, is that as we went around and spoke about the various individuals who were the top performers, who you know closed the most business, who were bringing in the most new business, who were hitting their quota, all the things that you could see on paper, the one question that we asked about every single person that was put up for promotion was how did this person make the whole team better? Ah, oh, wow. And that was like a light bulb went off in my head. It doesn't matter how much revenue I'm bringing in as a salesperson every month if all I'm doing is worrying about me. What was I doing to make the entire team better? And as I saw you know, the group go around and comment on that specific thing, I knew that as soon as I could, I was going to bring that back to my team and not only give them some exposure into what happens in these talent calibration sessions, because I think it's helpful to know, um, but also just bring back like, hey, this is this is what they're looking for. And how can we how can I bring that out of everyone? How can I foster a culture on this team where we're going to worry about the team first over the individual? Well, this story is a killer one. Thank you for starting our whole conversation with this, because now this, this is something that I think everyone can resonate with. Like when I think about what you're talking about, first of all, talent calibration session, you probably could explain that. We probably got a lot of people who also don't even know what that is, like you said. Um, when people talk to me about how do I get promoted, I often say we got to start talking about moving past your intro individual impact to team level impact and then team level impact to corporate, the whole organization impact. Like, how do you do that? But the way you said it's way better. Like, because people say, what does that even mean, Rob? When I talk about that, they go like, right? like, I love how you said that. How did this person make the whole team better? So you as a leader getting that in your face, you said that, that, that hit you. It was like, so 
how do you do that with people? How do you have the conversation? Because I'm guessing you probably like so many of our leaders have people say, hey, I'll hit my number and just leave me alone. How do you transform them? Yeah, how do you transform them from, yeah, that's not what we're looking for. We need to make sure that we hit the, like, look, for people that are going to get the videos, like you should see Meredith, her her face is like ready. She's like, shut up, Rob, I got stuff to say. And so I can't, we'll we'll have a video of this on Sales Leadership United. So go, go now, go. Just that comment in particular, like I'm hitting my numbers, I'm the top performer, I should get promoted. Like that just, it it's almost like a punch in the gut because so many high performers are that way. I'm the mm. star player. I should be at the top of the list for a promotion. And it's just, you know, when it comes down to it, that's not the type of behavior that the best teams are fostering. Um, and so I actually, you know, taking someone early in their career who has that opinion on things and has that attitude, I love to coach that person as long as they are willing to be coached and change, because I think you have, you know, there's a lot that you can impact um, and change with that attitude. So for me, when, when someone asks, okay, how, how can I do that then? Which was your question. There are really three, like three things that I think about on a daily basis. And the first one as a leader is you need to make the small things, the big things. Let's go deep on that. What do you mean there? (laughs) The devil is in the details, Rob. Um, You know, it's really about, well, let me tell you a story. So, you know, I'm a sports fan. I'm actually a huge Nick Saban fan. I did not go to Alabama, but like my alter ego went to Alabama. I'm I'm like, like brainwashing my children to go to Alabama. But anyway, I'm a huge Saban fan. So I've read a couple books that he's been, you know, biographies about him. And I heard this story once, I think Mike Shula was the coach right before him, but someone who was close to the whole organization said when Shula was the coach, the sideline was a mess after a game. You had Gatorade cups everywhere, athletic tape, like mayhem. Um, And then Saban came in for his first game. And after the game, when you looked at the sidelines, it was pristine, not a single thing out of place. And that is not an accident. That is because he has set forth a culture where we're going to take care of the details. We're going to take care of those small things and the big things will take care of themselves. So the, one of the things I like to foster on my team is just this culture of discipline around the basics. We're going to take care of things Um, internally, you know, don't miss any deadlines. Be on time for meetings. Don't have typos in your emails. Like very tactical things that actually set you apart from a lot of people who aren't focused on those little details. And I said, the devil's in the details. You know, if I had someone on my team, top performer across the board in revenue, but every week she was the one I had to remind to fill out our weekly commentary for the deals that she was working on. And I know that it was one of those, you know, kind of pain documents to go through. No one wants to, you know, we have to figure out the process, you know, sometimes before uh, we have to figure out the pain of it before we fix the process, but everyone else was figuring out how to get it done every week. And I still had to, you know, feel like I was babysitting that one person. So being able to create a culture where everyone's accountable for just taking care of the details. Um, An alternate example of that is someone who did level up the whole team, took the accountability and the action to put a meeting on everyone's calendar every day, Friday, two o'clock, you know, here's the reminder. So we're all going to get our weekly commentary in. And that's like, that's a very small example of someone taking an action, 
but that made the whole team better. It was holding people accountable. It was saying, I'm going to put this in so that we all know that we have to do this thing on this day. I love that. That's such a great example. And I'm listening here and you're right. This goes to two things. This goes to the culture. It's a word you used. I like that because I, I believe one of our leadership roles is to create an environment where everyone can thrive. That's motivated, not just survive, but thrive. And these are really great examples, like small details, make them important. It's not, it's, 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 it's such a great example. I, I love that you're a sports girl. So one of my, I, I don't know who said this, but I heard it first from coach K. I don't know if it's him, but he said, standards allow you to be demanding without being demeaning. And I feel like that's what you're saying is, is that, is that applicable to what you're saying? Yeah, I, exactly. Um, you can't expect to have excellence as a team without having some sort of standards in place, right? That's why performance management exists. Um, that's why in sales, I mean, performance is a huge piece of our job because we ultimately want to, you know, grow this company and grow this business. You absolutely need to have standards. And, you know, my belief is that the smaller those standards can be, or I guess smaller is not the word. Um, I guess the more detail oriented and internal that they can be, like, we're not even talking about talking to clients yet. We're talking about taking care of the internal day-to-day -day business of the team that helps it run better. Um, and if you expect a lot there, you know that you're building the discipline and the habits that are going to transfer into making sure there are no typos when you email a client, being early for all of your client meetings. They're just, they're so transferable. It reminds me of another saying I like, I forget where I heard it for the first time. It's probably credited in a million places, but the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Yes. And it's like, when, you know, going back to that talent calibration session, which is like where the managers sit around and talk about the top talent in a company and decide who's going to get promoted, you, you have a brand and a reputation that follows you into those conversations. So don't be, you know, the, I guess, just think about all of those internal interactions as just as important as the things that you're doing with your clients every day. Let me give you another like really uh, specific example of this. So at Snapchat, we had a company-wide internal pitch competition. And it was a chance for all of the AEs to take their best shot at, you know, pushing themselves out of their comfort zone and pitching to all of the sales managers at the company. You, you normally wouldn't pitch to your own manager. You'd be pitching to someone who maybe didn't know you. So Perfect. the entire sales org was expected to participate. It was very fun. I loved it just from a networking standpoint. You got to hear new voices um, cool. and just really see what other people were doing. So Someone on my team had missed their first round pitch up appointment. Um, I think it was rescheduled very last minute. A client need came up. Okay, totally understand. Client needs come up. The pitch off got rescheduled and sales enablement reached out to me after and explained that it was a rushed, uh, sorry, it was extremely rushed. They were worried that maybe they had dropped the ball on developing this person. And they were reaching out to me just to say, hey, like this didn't go so well. Do you think there's anything that you need for help on this team? So it was surprising to me because this was a person on my team who is a 
great performer. Would not expect to be anywhere near kind of like the bottom of the, you know, the sales org for this pitch off. So I went to this person and I said, you know, I just want to talk to you. How do you think the pitch off went? Um, you know, what was your experience? And, you know, this person just said, oh, I, I just really couldn't prioritize it. I had clients that were, you know, that needed me and this and that. And this person just didn't think it mattered that much. But the thing wow. was, it, re it really did. It was yeah. actually the thing that came up in that talent calibration session. So, you know, that's, that's also like an exercise in prioritization and just helping folks kind of get out of their own way. But um, sadly, sometimes or all the time, perception is reality. So just making sure that you're always taking care of those little things so that you take care of the big things too. Well, Meredith, like th this is my Jerry Maguire scene. You had me at hello right here. Okay. So you had me at number one. You had three things on how do we make the whole organizations better. So we got three. This is number one. We could do a whole show just on number one. Okay. I want to make sure we at least enter, get to number two and three, and then maybe we'll see where we sit for the rest of our time. And sounds like we might have to have you come back Perfect. in a couple months and, and have a round two, because this is really great stuff where you're going, because no one's ever brought this idea to our show before of, what do you do to make everyone better? And, and you're, I love number one. I love all the quotes you've used, but mostly I love that commitment to small things are the big things. And that's how you create standards. What's number two? Okay. Number two is show them what good looks like. Let's go. And I know this has been a topic I think that's brought up on this podcast before, and it's, you know, certainly not, you know, a new concept in the world of leadership, but here's the thing in sales, sales performance is our biggest part of the job. I know I just mentioned like you got to do all the little things right too, but of course yep. we're all here to sell, drive revenue and you know, build a business for the company that we work for. So often, no one on our team actually knows what that looks like. We leave our team really guessing about what it takes to succeed. Um, so as a leader, you have to show them what it looks like. And this can show up in a few different ways. So the first is, you know, leading by example, standing up in an internal meeting and like to use my pitch off example from before, from the last, uh, you know, my first point is, you know, stand up and actually do the pitch in that meeting, um, show some vulnerability and say, you know, I'm working on this right now, but you know, maybe it's a little rough. I would love your feedback, like actually standing up and, doing what we expect of our salespeople. I always think of think to myself, don't ever ask anyone to do, do something that I wouldn't do myself. So if you're all going to stand up and pitch, I'm going to do that too. Or when you yes. go on a sales meeting with a more junior salesperson for the first time, I love opening it up and kind of doing my spiel. I was, I was a seller too. I love talking to clients and I've worked at this company for a while. So, you know, here's my story and see if you want to riff on that for the next time. So it's showing up and leading by example. Another way that you could do this though is by bringing in people on the team and recognizing and praising them in public. So one of the things I love to do in my weekly team meetings is you know, ask for permission ahead of time. Never wanna just put someone on the spot so they feel caught off guard, but say, hey, I saw you know, Lauren handle this objection really well in our meeting this week. I wanted her to reenact it for you guys here because it was just the best example I have seen of someone handling this objection. Now, all of a sudden, Lauren feels like a superstar. And my team's like, 
oh, that's what Meredith likes or that, you know, not that it has to be exactly how I would do it, but you know what I mean? You know, I, you know, want to show them what good looks like by bringing in multiple voices on the team. Um, and I think the example that I had that you liked in that LinkedIn post when we, you know, kind of the first domino that fell yeah. in our podcasting relationship here is, yes, um, yes. you know, I mentioned, I mentioned being a really good note taker. And that you is did. something that <laughs> as you're taking notes, um, that's something that if you are, you know, you're feeling like you're entering a team for the first time and you're, you know, kind of figuring out the culture and not as confident to step up and actually pitch, find some really small ways to add value to the team. And as a manager, make sure you call those out. So it's saying, thank you so much for being the best note taker on this team. That has helped everyone else who missed that meeting this week. Um, Sorry, I'm taking so notes. Like I, I'm a page into this thing right now. This is awesome. Even in this world of virtual meetings, like it used to be like, again, I know between you and me, I'm the senior citizen in our in our relationship together. Um, it used to be that everything I did was live. And one of the things I did was I would pull out my notepad and I would ask him, is it cool to take notes? You know, and they're like, oh yeah, thank you. And and we've probably both seen the the studies around like when you go to a to a restaurant, like the studies that show like when the table server writes down the order versus like trying to say, oh, I got you, I got it memorized. The experience from the customer is I hope that he remembers I wanted the dressing on the side, or I hope that he want and and that the tips follow, like the people who wrote it down better got better tips. So even now when we're having yeah. virtual stuff, I think you just as much as before, they need to know you are taking notes. That's one of the reasons exactly. like I know it's not the most efficient way is to write stuff down. I like people to see me writing stuff down still. So Totally. And listen, a lot of people, have, you know, are pulled in so many directions on teams. They can't make every single meeting. So to be the person that is accountable and you can really rely on to make that meeting when you can't is, is just such a superpower. And I think just such a great way for people to start building those habits before they're kind of at that top 1% A-team player when they're still early in their career. So mm. the, the last kind of piece that I think managers or leaders really need to bring to the table when it comes to showing your team what good looks like is also showing them that it's okay to mess up. So I don't want to say showing them what bad looks like because there's no bad as long as you're trying. But um, if I could make a t-shirt, I would want it to say, make it cool to make mistakes. <laughs> we have to like bring back this, this idea of like, you don't have to be a perfectionist. It doesn't have to, um, you know, the way that you sell doesn't have to be the same, the same narrative that we are doing from person to person. You have to make it yours and you have to take some risks and you have to allow for creativity. And that starts with a leader. Um, if I'm a leader who's comfortable standing up in front of a group, going outside of my comfort zone, admitting that I'm about to try something new and I'm not really sure which way it's going to go. But as long as you guys are, are on board for that journey with me, we are going to go so much further as a team than the manager who, or the leader who's, who's afraid to admit that they just don't know the answers. So make it cool with your team to make mistakes. We're going to learn from every mistake, but if we're not taking risks and we're not making mistakes, we are definitely not leveling up as an entire team. We're just, as they say in sports, playing scared. <laughs> we know what happens well, to teams that play scared. You're going to lose. They lose. Yeah. You lose, you lose your lead every time. 
So I love this. I, I think it's one of those choices. I think the chasing of perfection screws up progress faster than anything else. And you said a word that I want to sit in for a minute. I, I'm, I think we'll have time to get through. I want to get your third one too. Like I, this has been fantastic, Meredith. You're, you're awesome. I love your structure. I love the way you're framing this up. Um, I think that today, more than ever before, one of the skills, I think there's two or three really important skills for the environment that we're in. And one of them is treating creativity as a skill. Uh, this is just one of my observations. I, that's why I loved it when I heard you say it. And you said, make it cool to fail. I, I've been thinking, I've been working with people. How do you treat creativity as a skill? How do you foster it? How do you celebrate it? How do you encourage it? How do you develop it? Because creativity isn't who can come up with the coolest ad campaign? Like you come from the advertising world. So you, you've seen that kind of creativity. Salespeople often think, oh, I'm not very creative. You, you don't have to be like the most clever or the cutest or whatever. It's can you do things just a little different? And one of my clients, they actually have a weekly celebration where they celebrate the most creative idea that didn't work. The one that they thought would, and they celebrate this creative idea that didn't work. And then they I get a bunch of people that. talk, yeah, talking about how do we see if we can still make it work. And this culture of creativity is booming there. And as a result, they're finding small ways, like we're in the tweaking world when we're talking about creativity and sales, I think. I don't think it's like radical change. I'd love to dive into creativity with you. Would you mind talking a little more about that? Yeah, for sure. And I love that um, strategy of talking about the thing that was most creative, but failed. Because I think what we often do is we celebrate creativity when it also leads to a win. Like, yes. I've never seen it before. This was the most creative way to pitch and it landed a million dollars. Like, okay, yes. well, that, that's pretty awesome. But that's not going to help me be super creative if I think it's going to fail too, right? No one, no one wants the, to be the person called out for not getting any leads or not closing a deal because of it. So I think that's the crucial part there is to make sure that we are uh, rewarding and like praising creativity, even especially when it doesn't work, because that's what's going to keep um, keep people trying. I think a lot of creativity for me in my sales roles, where I have had the most success, because let's be honest, the products themselves in you know in the world that I've certainly worked in, you can't be as creative with the products themselves. Like the products are what they are in ad sales and performance marketing. They're either to drive performance or they're not. But where salespeople can really get creative is in their storytelling. And that that's is one of my just, other ones. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> I feel very lucky because I was, I, I really, I say like grew up in air quotes. Like that's where I went from at Snapchat. I went from being an individual contributor into my sales management role where I would really feel like um, was, you know, my purpose in leadership. But it was an amazing company to be at because it was our entire sales narrative was centered around telling a story and it was so visual. And I think being able to take that and bring it forward into other companies that I've worked at and telling different stories, something everyone has their own story. Yes, there is a sales narrative. Yes, there's a way that products work, but everyone has a different way. Uh, like everyone has been raised differently lives different places is different people. So you're bringing your own self and telling your own story when you sell a product. And I think that is something that we need to do more of. So often our meetings start with, hi, I'm Meredith from Amazon. Here are the products that I'd like to talk to you about today, right? Without doing that, like, let me tell you how I got to Amazon. Like I almost didn't take this job, 
but X, Y, Z, and you know, all of a sudden you're just creating this world of vulnerability. You're more relatable. And I think the sellers and sales teams that do a really good job fostering storytelling in different ways and practicing different stories are, are leveled up. That is a level up skill right there um, around storytelling. No doubt. When I told you there's like two or three skills that are most important with creativity, I mentioned the other one that like top of mind is storytelling. And, and I just want to uh, add on to what you said. I love how you said multiple stories. I, I like the idea of a company having a story bank that is modern. You know, if we're in 2023, we should try our very best to tell 2023 stories, not 2013 stories. Okay. Yep. Um, yep. And the other thing that, that I think storytelling, if you get it right, and it sounds like we could talk about that if we want to, but we're going to run out of time today. I, I, I'm like, this has been fantastic. Um, I think storytelling gives you credibility really fast. If you're a good storyteller, it takes what might take this long to get credibility. And it like, it's a, it's a hack. It's, I don't like the word hack yep. because people that look for hacks, it's a cheat code. I, when you look for that, you, you end up being, you don't take the small things seriously, like you said. But storytelling, man, if you do that right, people very quickly will say, that person, uh, I, yep. I, you, get, you get credibility. I couldn't agree more. And I, I think one thing I try to do with more junior sellers who are still kind of figuring out what their story is, because like, I've perfected my story over 18 years. Like I, I work on this all the time. My story has changed, but at first, I don't know if I had a story. So by sharing stories in our team meetings, I will say to people, feel free to take that story and use it. Like you can change it from me to you if you want. I don't care. I'm not yeah. going to be in that meeting with a client. They'll, you know, I'm not saying lie, but, you know, take the story and use whatever pieces of you need to start building your confidence around like public speaking is a skill. You need to practice this. So take pieces of this story, make it your own. And then, you know, eventually you have your own story. Love it. Um so good. We have enough time. Let's get into number three. I, this is going to work out perfect. What was your third? Like, I love it. So no, just submit to keep everybody in your framework. We're trying to make everybody in the whole team better. I'm reading my notes here. Uh, number one way, make the small things, big things. Number two, show them what good looks like. Killer conversations on both. Um, what's number three? The number three is create your own sales enablement team on your team. I love the so, sound of it. I can't wait to hear what this one's about. <laughs> this is all around the idea of never stop learning and developing and not just for yourself, but for the entire team and sharing that out with the team. So let me give you a couple of examples. Um, I was uh, leading a team and I had someone on my team who is a subject matter, matter expert in one particular thing. He just knew all the ins and outs. He actually held office hours like every couple of weeks, just to have people come in and talk to him about attribution was his specialty. And he was just so good at it. And he came to me with this idea to create a video recording of it where we do some training and have it kind of live on so that he didn't have to just keep doing the office hours. But it turned into this masterclass series. And wow. he found five other people in the sales org that also had different uh, subject matter expertises. Um, and brought them into the fold and, you know, got my buy-in to spend part of his time doing this. I thought there was no better use of his time than to create something that would, that would scale from one to many so well as this. Um, and the reason I say it's creating our own sales enablement team is because while we did have a sales enablement team that did amazing work, there was something about the 
material being delivered by someone who was on the front lines and listening to customers that made it so valuable. The other sellers felt like there was, it was so, so authentic because it was coming from this individual who was just like them, that we were learning from people who were just like us. And that program went on to be, I want to say like the number one thing that maybe got him promoted into a sales lead role. He was also, you know, top 1%, just a great top performer all around. But when we were in that room, we said, how did this individual make the team better? We pointed to that masterclass series. It was like, you know, nothing else existed before he took his own initiative and created something out of nothing. Um, so I absolutely love that example of leveling up the entire team. Another way that, yep. oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go. This is, this is fantastic. <laughs> um, another way that leaders can create their own sales enablement teams or like training on the job is by delegating. And I don't think leaders do this as much as we should, because there is this sense of this is my job. I need to make sure it all gets done right. I'm not going to start delegating all of my sales leadership roles to folks on my team. But the only way you're going to get a promotion or get into a leadership role is if you're showing signals that you know how to lead. And the only way you're going to know to, the only way you're going to show those signals is if you're doing some of the job. We hear this you know, it's like an old adage in, in sales, right? You got to do the job before you get the job. Well, some people are like, well, how do I do the job? I can't step on my boss's toes and, you know, take reports off her desk, but it's the leader's role to hand them those reports and hand them those things to do and say, you know, this is something that I'm working on. Here's what I deliver every week to my manager. Here's why it's valuable. You are so good at this. I feel like you you know, know our clients so well, and you're so much closer to this. Is this something that you would want to own? It would be incredibly helpful to me. And I think it's going to give you a lot of visibility into, you know, what the next step is for you and your role. And 10 out of 10, they're, they're going to say, I would love to do that. They are like hungry for that opportunity to have that glimpse and peek under the hood into the world or the next role that they want to get into. So that is a way that managers can you know, you're, it's, you're teaching on a one-to-one, so very different than masterclass series, like one-to-many, but that's not something that they're going to get training on in their role. You're going out of your way to train them on the skills that, that, you know, things that you're doing on your desk. And what happens when you can delegate some of the things too. Now, my time is freed up to be more creative um, and think about ways to really solve a lot of the challenges for my team too, or for anyone's team. Man, this is really good, Meredith. Um, what a great concept. I love the delegation side for two, for like the idea of capacity. Capacity is something that doesn't get talked about enough. It creates capacity in the person you're delegating to because you're developing something. It also creates capacity for you as a leader because now you can use it that time for other things that might be more strategic. Um, so I love everything about these three things. Um, and thank you for the awesome stories that go along with each one of these. This this has been a, a fantastic conversation. When you see people that like buy in to helping people not just hear the idea, how do you make it, the whole team better? But when you give them a framework, what happens to teams when, when people start buying into the idea of making the whole team better instead of just doing their own thing? Like this, I think would be a fun part of our conversation. Like, is the juice worth the squeeze, I guess is what I'm asking. 
a hundred percent of the time, the juice is worth the squeeze. I think Let's these go. are the teams you see at companies that people are dying to work to get on, right? Like whenever you have an opening on your team, please let me know. It it foster the, the creativity and the culture really is so much more far reaching than just on that team. You start to get a bit of reputation. That's the fun team to work on and not just fun, but also uh, performant. And I think when you get people in a, their zone where they feel like they can take risks, they can make mistakes, they can truly be themselves and they have the support of that team. And so much of this is really underpinned by trust and vulnerability. I know you've had a lot of great guests in this podcast who've talked about the importance of psychological safety and just creating that in the team, right? So, so all of those three things, those are the three things I've talked about today are completely meaningless if you, have, if you don't have that trust and you don't have a team where everyone feels safe to be themselves and to be creative. But what happens is those teams start to outperform other teams, have more fun doing it, they're happier. And then you see other people who are like, wow, I heard about your team. Are you hiring? Uh, you know, can I come over? And it becomes a special group. And I will say that happened for me um, a few years ago. And those are the people where, well, right now my, my company that I'm building is a uh, business of one, but as I continue to grow and grow my business, I have a team that I would plug into my business in a second. I have a list of people who I would work with anywhere because of all three of those things they were really good at and they bought into that vision so you know you create you know you're doing your own recruiting because your team is out there speaking volumes of what it's like to work on um, a high performing sales team with this type of culture i i think that i want to ask you one last thing we only have like five minutes this has gone so fast i don't know about you but that's this has been a fast hour um I have one more thing I want to ask you. I think it's the right thing to ask you. It wasn't something that we had planned on on um, talking about, but I, I want to ask it anyway. And then I want to make sure you have plenty of time to like make sure people know how to get a hold of you. And then I'm going to give you like final bite at the mic, you know, your final thoughts, put a bow right. on it. Okay. Um, here's the question. Is this idea of helping everyone say, we're going to create more impact to the team and this is how everyone levels up. I see why it's a superpower. And I also love that you've made a plan. Is this an important way of moving past tactical to strategic leadership? Because I have, I get asked a lot about, hey, I've been told I'm only tactical. I'm told I don't, like, how do I get strategic? I have my own framework about strategic. And I like what you've just shared. Any thoughts around why this will help you become a more strategic leader? I hope that that's appropriate here. Yeah, no, I think that's right on. I think, you know, not just in sales leadership and sales performance, but in life overall, the more you give, the more you get. It's mm. just so true in all aspects of life. And I think the more that you are willing to put into doing the little things right, creating a culture where it's okay to make mistakes, to show people that I care more about teaching all of you than me growing personally in my career, all of those things are going to actually be the things that help me in the long run. You know, it goes right back to that calibration session table. Those are the things that people are going to be talking about when they talk about you, how you made everyone else better. So it's going to make your tactical 
exercise is better too, because you are thinking in a better frame of mind. Um, it like, I don't think the two can be separate. If you start to do these things and work, think about how much you can give to those around you, the success is going to come. Uh, you're going to get what you're looking for and what your goals are, whether that's a promotion into sales leadership, senior leadership, going and starting your own business, whatever might be next for you. You are never going to, it is never going to be the wrong path to think about others before you're thinking about your own self. Oh, that's such a good way. To, that's a good soundbite. We will definitely put that into the videos in, in Sales Leadership United. It's never the wrong path. I love that. Um, how do they get more of you, Meredith? How do they connect to you? How do they get what your resources are? How do they learn more about you? If they got questions, how do they bring them to you? All of it. Hit us. Yeah, you, you can find me on all the socials. So probably the quickest and easiest way is to just find me on LinkedIn. Um, shoot me a note. I have a website too. It's mayorhudson.com. You can sign up for my email newsletter. You can easily send me an email there, but LinkedIn's probably the best place to start. It's all there. And I'll, I'll endorse, like I follow you and I've been a fan for a while and I'm embarrassed that we haven't had you on until now. Um, you are a great person to follow. You share really good things that have helped me a lot. So thank you. And I hope we have a lot of people reach out to you. Thank we you. are, we're, we're, we're up on it. we got a couple minutes left. Like we've had a great conversation. This has been even better. I knew it was going to be good, even more fun than I thought. I'm inspired. I can't wait to to go back and listen to this one a couple of times. And, and I've learned a lot from you today. If you were to put a bow on this, any final thoughts to 50,000 leaders scattered all around the world that, that you might leave them with in, in terms of developing this important super, superpower that it's not something that you either have or don't have. I, what I take from this is you can absolutely develop this superpower. Absolutely. And the plot twist to all of this that I will Let's leave go. all of these sales leaders with, and I think future sales leaders, I'm sure you have a huge audience of folks that don't have that title yet, but are looking to learn from the best sales leaders. That's why they're all coming to you. And what I would say is that you don't need to do, you don't need to wait until you have the title to do any of the three things that I talked about or anything that we talked about in this podcast today. You can lead before you have that title of sales manager or sales leader. This is applicable for everyone from the bottom of that corporate ladder for someone just starting out to a tenured sales leader. Everyone can be taking action on these three things and making the entire team better. That's a plot twist we can all get excited about. Meredith, thank you for My joining kids like me. like to say plot twist. It's what all the cool kids say. Plot yeah, I like it. <laughs> uh, I like plot twist. That's awesome. That, 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 that was a perfect way to wrap this. Her name is Meredith Hudson. She is now helping sales leaders all around the world in all different industries find ways to develop this superpower that matters. She has a framework that you can tap into. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I did. Meredith, on behalf of 50,000 sales leaders all around the world, thank you for giving us some of your time, but more important, such incredible insights that are actionable and and and. and I myself am fired up. I, I'm sure there's a lot of people fired up as well. I, I can't wait to get the direct messages from people on how this idea of making the whole team better has uplifted not just their team, but entire organization. So thank you very much. And as I say to everybody, Meredith, happy selling. Amazing. Thanks so much, Rob. This was so fun. Thanks for having me on. 
Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this episode is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. We are having a different year than we've ever had, facing new challenges than we've ever had to face. And every single sales leader needs to find ways to create more impact with the people they lead. And that's why I created Sales Leadership United. Marina said it a couple of times in her episode today. We have to find ways to reinvent ourselves. And that isn't easy. Creating sales leadership assets is hard. It takes a lot of time and you always wonder if what you're building is going to work. Sales Leadership United is the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Members of Sales Leadership United have access to proven trainings, proven techniques, current tactics used by some of the world's most successful sales leaders. And with a simple search, you can find sales leadership resources, proven frameworks, modern systems, sales meeting ideas, things you can use immediately, and much, much more. You'll find systems on any leadership topic you need ready for you to tap into at Sales Leadership United. Hundreds of video segments from some of the most successful sales leaders in the world are just one search away. You can find Sales Leadership United on Patreon, and for less than the cost of lunch, you'll have access to more sales leadership materials than you ever thought possible. New material is released every week. You'll never be operating on old systems as a member of Sales Leadership United. So click on the link in the show notes and check out Sales Leadership United today. Okay, back to Meredith. Meredith, that was awesome. An awesome conversation. So freaking awesome. I haven't stopped thinking about it because she's right. It is a sales leadership superpower and it might be the biggest, most legit sales leadership superpower if you can have the ability to level up an entire sales team. This is 100% a strategic leadership skill because tactical leaders get really good at giving you a number. They find a way to hit the team goal, but to turn the focus away from the team overall number to, I will lift every single member of the team. Now, now we're going into rare air. So when I saw that Meredith was shining a light on this capability when I was following her on LinkedIn, and that she was doing it with so much confidence, I knew I had to have her join the show. And man, did she deliver. This was, for me, a a fantastic conversation. She gave us a killer framework on how you can lift the entire team. So go back, take notes, listen to it again, because none of it's a silver bullet. This is a framework where every single one of you, you can use it immediately. But here's the sad thing. Common knowledge does not equal common practice. I bet 90% of you will like what you heard, but it'll be 10% or less that actually make an effort to implement. But those of you who do are going to create life-changing years for the people that you lead. Her success and the reason you should follow this blueprint starts with that killer story she shared while she was at Snapchat. That in order to be really the leading candidate for a promotion, it wasn't just the numbers. It was, is this person demonstrating how they make the entire team better? Haven't stopped thinking about that, okay? That for sure can be done. I'm going to say it again. I have not stopped thinking about it since she told me that. In fact, I've shared it with several of my clients, and they've already started benefiting from it. So I want you to be one of those people who does something about what you heard. Implement some, if not all, of Meredith's framework because it will be a difference maker. So really fast, here's what they were. Number one, make the small things big things. Set standards. Small things make a big difference. Learn the difference between micromanagement and micro-awareness. And and on top of that, the power and the importance of consistency. I'm often reminded of the rule from my son's quarterback coach years ago when he said, aim small, miss small. 
Now, you don't have to be a big football fan to know who his coach is. His coach was Tom House at his biggest, most prized pupil uh, as a quarterback you may be familiar with, Tom Brady. And so this discipline around the basics and the focus on the small things is what Tom House used to help Tom Brady achieve greatness. You will have the same success if you follow Meredith's advice. Number two, show them what good looks like. Listen, less than 20% of salespeople claim that they have a clear, well-informed definition of what good looks like. <clears throat> but in the elite sales organizations, 94% of these reps claim to have clarity on what good looks like right now. So make sure you go first. Stay current, stay relevant, keep your skills sharp. Be willing to demonstrate what good looks like. Make it okay to learn and to, and to make mistakes. And don't forget that creativity 100% is a skill. If you are not treating creativity as a skill, hit me up. We need to talk. You can treat creativity as a skill. It's not something that either you have or you don't have. I want you to treat it that way because you can develop it. But remember, whatever you do, showing is better than telling. And that's how you're going to have them really know what good looks like. And that takes me to number three, create your own enablement team. I love her story of the internal masterclass because it was, well, masterful. The best leaders are the ones who learn the art of people development. John Maxwell calls this the fourth level of leadership in his book, The Five Levels of Leadership. So don't wait. Develop. Create opportunities for people to learn and grow, and they will do it right in front of your eyes. And I th think that the best way to finish this little so what section is with another Meredith quote. When she said, it is never wrong. I'm sorry, I'm going to get it wrong, but it's something along these lines. It is never the wrong path to help someone learn and grow. I'm going to say it another way as well. It's never wrong to, to, uh, to, to, to choose to be kind. It is never wrong to be helpful. It is never the wrong move to be a catalyst in the growth of those that you work with or work for. And I don't know about you, but for me, this conversation with Meredith left me feeling inspired. I hope each of you are inspired as well. Inspired to be a difference maker. Inspired to up-level every single member of your team. Inspired to help each member of the team make the team better. So Meredith, thank you so much for joining me. I love your work. I appreciate you sharing your insights with us today. This was a fantastic conversation and one I'm so happy to share with sales leaders around the world. I hope every one of our 50,000 listeners takes your challenge in helping create an environment where each one makes the entire team better. And if they follow your framework, they will. And they'll become legendary as a result. So take my challenge and try this framework. Meredith, thank you so much for being the will, willing to be a, a resource that you could share with our leaders. My advice to all 50,000 of you listeners is to connect with Meredith. Check out her resources. Reach out to her with questions. Let her know how her framework works for you. Because if, if you give it a chance, it will. Listen, I've put the links in my show notes to make this easy for you to connect with her. And trust me, you will be glad you connected with Meredith. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. The greatest compliment you can give is to share the show with those you work with. Introduce them to the Sales Leadership Podcast. Leave us a, re a review on iTunes. Uh, share it on, on LinkedIn. And you can support the show by checking out Sales Leadership United. Head to Patreon and check it out. You'll be glad you did. And when you get there, send me a DM and, and tell me that, that you came here because of, sale, of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for your support of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Our job as sales leaders is to create life-changing years for those we lead. If you liked this message, please share it with someone who needs to hear it. 
get after it this week because life is short and we got no guarantee of what comes tomorrow. So maximize what you do today. Be elite, live strong and chase your passions and whatever you do, do your best work so you can, as a result, live your best life and never forget that you got this and I got you. Here's to a terrific week. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.